Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the podcast, we're celebrating 30 years of The Bodyguard, the Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner classic film. Well, you don't look like a bodyguard. It's time to get radical. Hello there. It's showtime. What is this, trick or treat? Did I do that? Good morning, Charlie. Welcome back, Radical Ones, to another episode of the Radical Retro Rewind Podcast. As always, I am your host, Radical Ryan Hunter, and I am joined by everyone's favorite brother and mine, David, for another episode of the podcast. Welcome, David. Hello, everybody. Are you excited that we're doing this movie today, which is The Bodyguard? I have to say that I have not seen this movie in years. Years, years, years. And I, watching this movie, was so delighted. I don't know how else to say it. I laughed. I cried. I smiled. I was engaged. It held up amazingly well. Whitney Houston, God rest her soul. I did. She did a phenomenal job. I, it felt so natural watching it. And I, of course, love the soundtrack. So this is actually perfect because today's Retro news. The Bodyguard is back in theaters for two nights for the 30th anniversary. So next week, fans will be able to relive the drama on either November 6th or November 9th. And tickets for the special screenings are expected to go on sale already. So if you're hearing this, they're at TheBodyguard30.com. And then after the film's closing, fans will be treated to a special music compilation celebrating the legend and late Whitney Houston, who died in 2012. David, I'd like to say we're actually on the money this time because we had planned to do The Bodyguard in November and it just coincided that it's the 30th anniversary. So finally, we're on the mark with something. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, will you stay or will you run away? I think I'll run away. (laughs) (laughs) Not until the end of this episode. So... (laughs) 
radical ones. This movie was originally released November 25th of 1992. So a day before my birthday. And like when I saw Buffy the Vampire Slayer, this seems to be the year of when I was eight seeing movies. I was eight years old seeing this movie. But at the time, I wanted to see what else was the top rated movie because evidently the film grossed $411 million worldwide, becoming the second highest grossing film of 1992. And David, the other movies of that year were number one, Aladdin. Okay. Number two, The Bodyguard. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Child Neglect. Part two in the city. Basic Instinct was number four. (laughs) Are you going to rest me for smoking? Legs were spread that year. The legs hurt around the world. Number five was Lethal Weapon 3. Six was Batman Returns. David is the Catwoman. How many times have you quoted Michelle Pfeiffer in that movie? (laughs) Well, life's a bitch. Now so am I. I am Catwoman. Hear me roar. And then seven is A Few Good Men, eight is Sister Act, nine is Bram Stoker's Dracula, and ten is Wayne's World. So 1992 was basically pop culture exploding for us. Can I just tell you, I have yet to see in recent years, I mean, obviously COVID caused a lot of uh, of havoc, but I have not seen probably in a good, I don't know, maybe a decade, maybe, maybe not, maybe I'm being ridiculous, such a jam-packed year of amazing movies that I would watch every single, pretty much every single one of them. I mean, Sister Act. Amazing. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Amazing. You- Winona Ryder before she stole from Macy's or wherever she stole from and ruined her career for a while. We still never found out what that was about, right? No. But it was a mental health thing, so I'm not making fun of her, but, you know, Lydia Dietz, you better talk to Beetlejuice about this. And now she's in Stranger Things. Her career has come Doing back. really well, and I'm so happy for because I thought she was so... I loved her. Heather's, Beetlejuice, Mermaids. She was. She was a thing. She was the it girl for a while. Yeah, she was. David, you're right. 1992. What a box office. And I don't think we're ever going to see anything like that again. But Frank Farmer to see Miss Marin. What? Alexander Graham Bell to see Miss Marin. All right. Bill said he used to be with the Secret Service. That was two years with Carter, four with Reagan. Reagan got shot. Not on my shift. All my colors for you. You don't look like a bodyguard. This is my disguise. (laughs) Well, his timing's good. Henry, I've spent a lot of time guarding people all over the world, and I found one thing to be true. No matter how incompetent the assassins, no matter how much they miss their target by, there's one person who always gets hit. Who? The cocky black chauffeur. You afraid I might get picked off with my snazzy running suit? No, I'm afraid that I'm gonna have to jog with you. Someone was in my house? Ah. (laughs) Wait a minute, someone was in my house? Everybody's afraid of something. That's how we know we care about things. When we're afraid we'll lose it. How about you, Frank Farmer out there on the edge? Rachel, I don't want to get confused about what I'm doing here. I'm not confused. You pay me to protect you. That's what I do. Then what is it? I'm afraid of not being there. Let's talk about the Bodyguard soundtrack for a little bit. Yes, do it. Another thing that I can listen to every single song from beginning to end and not get tired of the not go, I have to skip this. Nothing, nothing. And it's really a Whitney Houston album. Would you say it's like I'm Breathless from Madonna? It's a movie soundtrack, but really it's a catalyst for the artist to have an album at the same time kind of thing. It was amazing. It's amazing. And obviously, you know, the famous... I will always love you. First of all, I want to say to the credit of Dolly Parton. Yep. Even when Dolly sings this song, it's the way she sings it in her her country voice. You know, it's like it's like it's 
a, a bitter it is a bittersweet and it's there you can feel like how do i put it i, I don't want to describe it when you hear her version of the song it's still an amazing song obviously she will she could never hold a candle to whitney the way the, the, the heights of which whitney can sing but you know in the realm of music the both these songs versions stick stick out to me they're amazing they're amazing i feel the the heartache in dolly's voice which is really a country country thing and i Obviously, the only other song that anybody can really compare pop music or wise would be obviously Celine Dion's, you know, from the Titanic, the, you know, epic. Yeah, you're right, actually. But yeah, it, it, amazing, amazing. And you were a fan of I Will Always Love You prior to this remake. I remember you telling me, like, Whitney isn't the original artist. It was Dolly Parton. I remember being young and you telling me that. So, I mean, both great versions, but it, it became Whitney's signature song. Well, I mean, she, her voice is probably one of the once in a lifetime like you, you i think of whitney houston i put put her up there as celine dion whitney houston aretha franklin gladys knight you know there's countless not really count, i shouldn't say countless there's not countless but there there are they definitely are all on my top seven list of the most amazing voices that you you know you'll ever you know patty labelle that you'll ever hear in your entire life and they're once in a lifetime and i'm so happy to have been able to hear them all so besides the classic of course i always love to ask you this besides the obvious of i will always love you i mean of course the whole soundtrack but is there an, a second favorite because i can tell you right off the bat it is run to you that is one of my favorite whitney houston songs in general not just this soundtrack no that is that would actually probably be mine it really is and then the third actually from the album is not a whitney houston song not that they're all amazing because they are is the one with michelle visage a lovely day because it's just so melodic and cool and i could just it just makes me want to she's in that she's by the pool in this thing that makes me want to be at the pool like just enjoying the sun and enjoying life so yeah that's a that's a cool song although i don't even know where it's played in the movie i couldn't remember speaking of the pool is it played when rachel the character is listening to headphones at one point sitting oh, maybe, maybe. i think that's what it is i think but even jesus loves me from this soundtrack so good so good i mean of course it's whitney but even that actress who plays her sister nick Mm, and we got to get into Nikki. We have to talk about Nikki. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Amazing soundtrack. A matter of fact, the movie kind of, even though it did well, David, it was panned by a lot of people because of the acting. And David and I have talked about this over the years as well. We don't see it. We don't see it. Now, with this movie, do you feel some pressure? Because there are going to be some people who will go to the theater thinking, well, she can sing, but can she act? Mm. Does that put a lot of pressure on you? No, it's done. <laughs> Whether you think I can act or not is definitely your own opinion because the film has already been done and, and that's going to last forever. So it's a matter of opinion where you think, whether you think I can act or not. You know, I know I did the best that I could. I gave it all that I had and um, there you have it. Are they watching the same movie we are? Listen, I understand that maybe Whitney was not the most polished. She wasn't Meryl Streep. but. Right. Her and Kevin Costner were like watching two actual real friends sitting down, or not friends, but I obviously there's romance in the movie and stuff like that. But like sitting down, people that have known each other for years, just talking, shooting the shooting the breeze, and interacting. There was no moments where I said, "Oh my God, there's no chemistry here." They were right. both just. I don't I, screw everybody who said that. We are. We, that's why the movie is so so held in such high regard, exactly. and they're re releasing it. So all those you know, Siskel and Eberts, whatever you are, whoever complained about it, screw you. Kevin Costner finds himself falling for Whitney Houston in that scene from our next movie called The Bodyguard, and all of the ads play up the romantic angle in this movie. The screenplay is really more interested in the contrasting personalities of its two major characters. Kevin Costner right, plays an ex-secret serviceman who's now a professional bodyguard, and his new client is a music superstar played by Whitney Houston. When they first meet, it is not love at first sight. Houston is a pampered star who doesn't want anyone interfering with her lifestyle. Well, you don't look like a bodyguard. What'd you expect? Well, I don't know. Maybe a tough guy? This is my disguise. 
I could say, okay, maybe at the start, this Rachel character is giving a little bit of a diva-esque attitude. But honestly, she is so likable, I find. Once you get past that um, (laughs) image. (laughs) When she says, you know, some people think I'm a bitch. (laughs) Well, that's... Do we need to do the synopsis of the movie? Can I just do it without Wikipedia? Basically, it's a famous actress, movie star, slash, obviously, singer, who has been receiving death threats. Unbeknownst to her, actually, been receiving Mm -hmm. death threats. And um, there's also an incident where somebody breaks into her home and pleasures themselves on her bed. Someone was in here? Somebody broke in and masturbated on the bed. So the movie basically begins with this character, this, this older gentleman reaching out to Farmer. Was that what she... Frank Farmer, yeah. Frank Farmer, his last name, to protect her because he's one of the best. He's protected presidents and men of state and, fa- you know, everything. So he reaches out to him, explains the situation, kind of says, you know, she also has a very young son, seven years old. She's scared. She needs help. He doesn't really tell him that she's not aware of what's going on and she'll give him a hard time fletcher by the way her son i think is adorable oh my god he's so cute so cute did he actually does he ever do anything i thought he was so likable he was really good the way just it's adorable kid anyway a very likable he wasn't playing annoying kid at all you could tell he even him and kevin costner this fletcher character everyone just kind of meshed really well this movie begins with a bang gunshots and we see frank farmer and i love this he's this bodyguard this is kevin costner's character and he says that he does not do permanent positions and this quote david i really liked i'm no good in a permanent position my feet fall asleep frank i'd like you to stay on no good in a permanent position my my feet go to sleep he does not like to stay at one place too long and get comfortable in something. They keep mentioning this. He was the bodyguard to Ronald Reagan, but he was shot the day that he was off and he never got over it. (laughs) This is a recurring thing in the movie. I really do like this Frank Farmer character, David, because he's kind of aloof or distant, but he has a wicked sense of humor. A matter of fact, I know you love him at one point. There's that party scene. On paper, he's playing a dull, you know, like a very serious character, but Kevin Costner brings these, I don't know, these really like one-line zingers and just different funny parts that really make him likable. Did you, you had said this to me off, off recording that you didn't remember there being so many so much cursing the f word was dropped a couple of times and in a very interesting interesting way with nikki (gasps) rachel Marin's sister who is also her manager where do we go from here ryan well so i was telling david i had been so used to seeing this movie over the years it was one of those things that david growing up if you caught it on tv i would say ghost Sister Act, and The Bodyguard. Actually, 2-1 Foo, too. If you caught that, you just had to watch it for the rest of the, the movie kind of thing. And The Bodyguard was always that. But I had been so used to watching the TV version that when I put my DVD on and then all of a sudden, Whitney was effing up everything and everyone i'm not saying this as a proof by any means it was just a shock a surprise to actually if you're not used to it you don't remember it like you it's don't it. remember it desensitized yeah. and then david these ransom notes that rachel was getting penises penises literally one is a penis slicing her apart with her head removed and her body being sliced by a giant penis i was not ready for that i was not ready for this where do you go from there ain't nothing i haven't seen before slicing penises so we get the characters together rachel is now being represented by the bodyguard but he's not too happy because again she's not realizing the seriousness of this and like david said her sister nikki is her manager and spoiler alert Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, no, Will Robinson. You are now entering the spoiler zone. Danger. Sister Nikki, it turns out to be the catalyst for starting this, David. And 
Oh my god. So there's so much. So she has to learn that she's in real danger, that her son is in real danger. When she finds out that someone was broken to her home, when she realizes that these letters have been coming and they've been keeping them from her, I think that definitely opened her eyes. So in the movie, she also has a publicist, and the publicist basically said, if you stop her going on to events where she's showing up or plugging her music or movie, she's dead anyway. Her career will be dead and it'll be over. And I can understand this, really, to be honest with you. When you're hot, you're hot. There are so many actors and actresses that have stalkers that are people that are potentially would harm them. Hell, I've had a stalker before. So, I mean, and I'm not famous yet. Remember the podcast? <laughs> yeah. That's the Retro Rewind podcast. Spotify, Apple, YouTube. <laughs> This is true. So it's about how their relationship grows. I liked it because Frank Farmer was her bodyguard, a paid bodyguard to protect her the best, so to speak, of his, um, you know, for what he does. However, there's a point where she goes to a club and it gets out of hand and people are pulling at her and ripping her clothes off and he elbows them. He's using a fire extinguisher. He gets her out of the of the club. And at that point, there's a switch in their relationship. She feels he is a protector. Like, And listen, I understand that women can do everything that men can do, but there is definitely a dynamic when you meet somebody and they become your protector and you feel safe in their arms and you've obviously when she sings hold me in your arms and keep me safe from harm i want to run to you There's definitely that dynamic, the energy, and something she hadn't had in her life so far because she had she was a single mom and didn't have that protector. I also wanted to bring up something that I have to commend. There was never any awkwardness about her being black and him being white. It was never mentioned in the movie, nor should it have ever been mentioned in the movie. It was just a man and a woman, and that's it. There was no weirdness. There was no, oh, they're from different worlds. The different worlds where she was famous and rich, and he was a bodyguard. Yes, yes. She was flashy. He was more... Subdued. Subdued, yeah. So, but don't you think that's what a charm of the 90s movies kind of were at that point? It wasn't really mentioned. It, and nor should be. And actually, I saw an interview where he said they never wanted to do anything about that because it, there was no need. Again, a story about it, just a man and a woman falling in love under circumstances. And I can't commend them for that. And I commend Kevin Costner for waiting for Whitney Houston because she was on tour for That's pushing amazing. for her for be, because he saw something that I guess we all do knowing that we all love this yes, woman yeah. for her talent when people take chances that's when some of the most amazing magical things happen in cinematography and for music and just in general so kudos to him kudos that he stood up to the, the studio who wanted to probably get a better known actress and honestly this is the same thing like for me one more thing then i'll stop being on my tangent is madonna in Avita. in the same way that madonna did i don't care i know patty lapone is probably screaming right now if she ever listens to this she would throw daggers at us have us snuffed out Madonna did an amazing job with Avita because it, for me, it was like one big Madonna music video from right. beginning to end. Whitney Houston, obviously, her musicality propelled her in many ways because the soundtrack did move the, sh- the movie along amazingly well. But regardless, it was still a great movie, without even without the music. I think going back to Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston, even, unfortunately, when Whitney passed away, Kevin Costner talking at her funeral, this man really did love this woman. They had this natural chemistry. You could even watch behind the scenes 
scenes interviews at the time and when they're filming Whitney you can really see puts her trust in this man she hugs him they're very close they were goofing around you know on the set and just because you stick a performer does not mean they know how to act by any means if you're a singer and to me for a first role Whitney did amazing yes she is playing a version of herself in a way but it's so natural so natural so I give it up to Kevin like you were saying as well I mean he even had a say in the role of the I will always love you song he was the one who said make it acapella in the beginning fought the studio he said in the movie version fine have it acapella if it's so funny what's his name did the soundtrack David 50, Foster. 50 wives David Foster yes Catherine McPhee Catherine McPhee Yolanda Yolanda and matter of fact that behind the documentary his wife at the time was in this movie too it wasn't Yolanda that it wasn't <laughs> anyway he says he told <laughs> Kevin that the radio version wasn't going to have that acapella leading up to the I always love you but the movie did it so well that it ended up being that so I have to say Kevin Costner I think really had a big profound impact on I think this soundtrack and this movie and Whitney's future not to say Whitney wasn't already a bona fide superstar but the her, her movie her movie career yeah, definitely so when we get to that first scene where he shows up and he gets past the security which is terrible by the way he gave five fake names Rachel's security box is falling apart doesn't even work and then we see he goes to this video shoot that is in Rachel's house I do not get Whitney in this scene I always get Janet Jackson music video vibes in this shoot that they're doing <laughs> do, I mean doesn't it principle. <sighs> it does not seem like a, a Whitney music video at all I'm getting like but you're not getting Whitney you're getting Rachel Marin you're right it is Rachel it is Rachel and Rachel is the queen of the night oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah Oh my god, David, did you see the Metropolis robot when she walked in, Frank Farmer? So, Rachel is a collector. Okay, so I think we should start setting up that they're getting closer, these two. These notes are still coming. There's this creepy-looking dude that's her stalker. He's the one listening to her music, watching her. So this movie does give us a fake-out, because we got literally three antagonists, would you say? Yeah, and you have have this this guy who does look kind of like an albino. He, like, finds out where she is. He picks up when her dress was torn during this thing at the club that he rescued her from. He picks up a piece of her garment or her clothing he's he's like when her chauffeur brings her limo to get cleaned he's digging through her seats in in her limo and it's just yeah and he's got lots of pictures and things of her in his locker that's one thing but then it turns out nikki her sister by the end is the we find out is the one who started this separate from this stalker and then of course there is the ex bodyguard turned assassin that nikki hired and david nikki hired this man right but she went to a bar and she don't know she don't know anything yeah we gotta go so there's a scene later on in the movie if you've obviously have seen the movie if you're probably listening to this they're in in frank's childhood home like in the, the cabin like in the mountains snowing and stuff he's trying to keep her safe in a controlled environment where he doesn't think anybody would know where they are because it's a secluded cabin in the snow and this and that this guy they know that he there because he blows up a boat Yes. which Fletcher was in and you see Kevin Costner at some point realizes that they're not alone he sees footprints in the snow or something and he realizes and he runs and pulls Fletcher out of the boat in this icy cold water grabs him and Rachel is like you're crazy Frank what's wrong with you Sorry. I got careless. I didn't get that part because I know Fletcher can't swim. She did mention that, but... He pulled him out of the boat. We could have gotten into the boat and put the boat oh, back. okay, okay. I just assumed she was blaming him for, like, the whole situation. So the boat blows up because there's a bomb placed in it. And then you realize at that point that Nikki realizes that this assassin is not going to stop unless he kills even through her nephew 
who she loves very much. Oh, but, but she loves him so much, but she's so very much you're going to have his mother murdered. Exactly. But I figured she almost seemed like she was just going to swoop in and be like, I'll be your mother now. So you find out in the movie that Nikki at some point was a, an aspiring singer. She has a beautiful voice, the person who, you know, the actress, but she was outshined by her sister. So there's always that resentment. She's after Frank. She she tried to come on to Frank too. And that's when she's like, "You why can't you just, don't you want to sisters or something and i was like oh why stop at one when you can both you're a lovely woman but you don't want me i'm surprised thorough fellow like yourself why stop at one sister when you could have them both i make my mistakes but you didn't say no to the boss not to mention when when whitney goes you could protect me but you can't me God. Dude, through this movie, you realize that Frank is falling in love. She's falling in love. She's never had this type of love. And he hasn't experienced this love in a very long time. But he also knows that falling in love is not a luxury he can have as a bodyguard. Because when you're looking at the person with adoring, loving eyes and lustful eyes or whatever, you're not looking at the man that's across the street with a gun aiming at both of you because you're too busy being in love with somebody. So he realizes that he can't do both and he wants to keep her safe. One, he has this thing in the back of his head about letting Ronald Reagan get shot even though he wasn't on duty. And secondly, he cares about her, so he doesn't want her to see her or her son get hurt. And third, it's his job. And he says that. I'm your bodyguard. You have this inner turmoil too. And he catches Nikki crying after the boat incident at night. Oh my god. So they're in this cabin. The lights are off. The telephone lines have been cut by this assassin. And Nikki is crying saying how I was stoned! What's the name of the bar? I'm not sure. I was very stoned. I didn't know anybody that was stoned that couldn't remember a conversation. That I don't I, I don't know. Maybe that that term could have been used. She should have said hi. That's, that's the technical term. I was stoned. I was very stoned. Where she went to a CD bar, she paid somebody and then double paid them basically to make sure the job would get done no matter what happens. And then some, she says. And then some. So she's like, I I threw in a, a bonus, you know, something the tax man can't find just so he would make sure he did the job good. But this was the crazy part. She mentions the letters and she goes those are my thoughts i hate her how about the letters <laughs> the letters came first i don't know who's writing the letters <laughs> they're reading my mind those are my thoughts i hate her it made me think i could do it but i would never hurt the baby i would never I hurt fletcher i know it really made me feel terrible, David, because the character of Rachel is so oblivious. She has that moment when Nikki's out there singing Jesus Loves Me because Frank turned her down. She realizes, so she was a little upset. And then Rachel comes out so lovingly, comes up and holds her sister. And her face, though, she's just like, oh, disgusted at first that Rachel comes out. But it's devastating. Do you think that was a great twist? Because I always think that's a fantastic twist that was the sister. It was. I just... It's sad. Being a brother having two brothers i don't think i could ever even if you were super successful i, I wouldn't I, I don't i you know what i'm saying like again radical retro rewind spotify YouTube. you want this to play out you want the bodyguard to play out in real life radical ones <laughs> i would never plot your death and honestly nikki lived a very good life even though she was in the quote-unquote shadow of her sister and if she wanted to, you're telling me that if she said to her, I want to I want to do an album of my own. I want to be Michelle from Destiny's Child and do a gospel album. You don't think that her sister, and probably even do backup vocals for her, the sister did love her. Rachel loved her. She would have said, of course, I will definitely, we'll do this album. I'll cut it with you even. She, so uh, there's something to be said, like, you know, this is only happens in movies or with crazy people because she could have just said to her, you know what? I miss music. This is something I want to do. Well, that's the thing, David, because I actually, feel like you're saying this character was based a lot on Whitney because for Whitney fans out there she actually at the height of her career did backup vocals for CC and BB Winin is it yeah at the height of her career, she did background vocals for them because they were her friends. So Whitney, I think, slash Rachel is this kind of person. She was backup for her mama sissy. I can't see, there's no indication in the movie that you would give you that Rachel is so self-absorbed and so that she wouldn't help her sister make her dream come true. I would do that. Well, I would do that if I had the money for a practical stranger because uh, that's who I am. If I saw someone with amazing talent and that could be something more than I could have ever been or even 
whatever. I would have, I'm totally supportive of it. I've done that before with other artists that we were, what I worked with and guitars and stuff like you're in the wrong place. You need to be doing this and try to like push them in the right direction or whatever. And don't you think if Nikki didn't want her to be her assistant, she didn't have to. Rachel, I believe was doing that to keep her sister close and give her a job and take care of her. So I do feel bad for her, the character. Let's get back to though, the characters of Foster and Rachel, that date they go on when she wants to have a date. I think is again that's when I was like oh yes these two are I feel that passion there's that one scene where David they're dancing right on the dance floor she wants to dance and then she says don't worry I'll protect you when there's a bang in the club and and you know Foster's like looking around to see if something's happening and and Rachel's just like I'll, I'll protect you don't worry really really sweet and then there's that later on that samurai sword scene they go see the samurai sword movie and Whitney's holding the samurai samurai sword to him the tension i just thought was fantastic yeah that's true and then there's a scene where they're sitting down in this it's in like a kind of a country dive bar and she's like this is your type of people like your type of place right and he's like absolutely 100 and then she goes did you ever like would, did you ever like anybody like me and he's she's like a girl <laughs> yeah she's just like She's like, you're never not farmer. Gay, gay, right? <laughs> and then you see that he cracks another joke because she's like, did the person die? He's like, I used to love somebody a long time ago or whatever. She's like, did they, they didn't die, did they? And she's like, wait, oh my God, no. And he's like, then goes, nah, you know, ha ha. So have you ever liked anybody? What do you mean? Like me, a girl. Yeah, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. What happened? Do you mind if I ask? You mind if I don't answer? I don't want to pry. Oh, yeah, I can see. <laughs> what? <laughs> she didn't die, did she? <laughs> While you were protecting her, she got killed, right? <laughs> God, that's not it, is it? That's it, isn't it? Nobody's perfect. I'm sorry, Frank. I'm sorry. No. Nice try, though. <laughs> Frank. <laughs> less dramatic than that. She didn't love me anymore. Can you imagine that? There is that conversation. And then there is the dance floor scene where you get a very country drawl version of I Will Always Love You, which is also very poignant because I'd like to believe at the end of the movie when she's singing that, it's because of the romance and the love that she remembers that song and she recreated it at the very end. That's what I thought too. She's off doing performing and, and this and that and as a tribute to their love and their experience. Do you think that was a conscious decision not to use the Dolly Parton version? Because then it would have maybe overshadowing her kind of thing? Yeah, because it's not a female... I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't to be. But yeah, I I actually liked that version of it. It was very stripped down. It wasn't... And I like the fact that it was a male singer because it kind of... It's kind of like his world... Yeah, it's a male singing because it represents that the masculinity of the male. So, yeah. And then she says, is this a full service date? (laughs) She's joking with the truth. Let's be honest. Yes, she wanted to know. She wanted to know. Just to go back to his world and, and living in his world. I think the guy that played Frank's father was perfect. I believed that's where he came from, this character. Yeah. I think casting decisions in this movie was phenomenal. And then you also get yet another thing, because you always, because of the world we live in, you always assume that this older white southern whatever man, whatever his country accent, is going to be a racist or a horrible person. And he embraces Fletcher and even has him sit next to him because he knows that he's actually really good at playing chess. It, 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 well, yeah, he's like, you're going to sit next to me. It's another beautiful moment where people are just being people. 
protecting, worried about these, this woman and her family. I agree. What do you think? There's that one part after Rachel and Farmer have this, like, kind of hostile situations. It's after one of the attacks, and she's going, you're crazy. Like you said again, you're crazy, blah, blah, blah. She asks him in bed, don't you want to know why I act the way I do? What, did you ever get anything out of that line? Yeah, I got it on more than one level. I got it, don't you want to know why I act like a bitch? Don't you want to know why... She feels like Frank is judgmental of her because he's very stoic about yes. the way he does things. That's also feeds into her character's insecurity. She's like, you don't approve of me because I'm a single mom. You don't approve of me because I live this lavish lifestyle. You don't approve of me because of, uh, you You know, I might come off as promiscuous to you. That's what I think she's saying. And that's why beautifully when she has a moment where they've, after they've made love and she feels comfortable talking to him as herself and not as a caricature of what everybody wants her to be. And then she actually, doesn't she say, I've never felt this safe ever? This is after she's made love to him and they're laying in the bed together. And then Frank realizes, I can't protect you if I'm having sex with you, making love with you, because there's a gun pointed at us and we would never know about it because I'm too busy being into you, so to speak. So then we get to, he tells her, right, he can't do this. So she is not too happy about this. And I get it. I get it. So we go to this party, right? And this is where the real killer actually tries to seduce her and she actually, thank God, doesn't do it. But do you think he would have had sex with her and then killed her? Or if he was just... While during. While during, okay. I thought he was like going to choke her the way he was... This is when, I know David loves this line, Frank is looking around and he's just, he sees that she goes off and this woman comes up to him. <laughs> and she says, David, I've been watching you from across the room all night. <laughs> that he says... Well, go back there. Or something goes, go, I wrote, go back well, why don't there. you go back there and keep watching? <laughs> I've been watching you all night from across the room. Why don't you go back there and keep watching? Damn, damn, damn. That was a line. That was, that and it was performed so naturally, right? It just came out so <laughs> With his orange juice, right? I think he's always drinking orange juice. His stomach doesn't get burned. And the other thing is, is that funny that I saw in an interview, just a cuff off the cuff side thing, is that he said that in the movie, he was his hair, his haircut in the movie was made fun of by everybody after the movie came out. And it was, right? But he's like, that's the Clooney. He's wearing the Clooney. The Caesar cut, the Clooney. That's pretty much kind of what it was. It doesn't look right on him, though, for some reason. Like, yeah, it doesn't. Well, I have to tell you, young Kevin Costner is pretty good looking. Very handsome. Very I handsome. I didn't remember him being so attractive. I don't know. I just thought, oh, wow. I think he even looks pretty good today, too. Like, with that clip of Whitney's funeral in two, I mean, it was 2012 at the time, my God, but he looked even great there. Aged really well. So, it, Whitney didn't have to say, he's got white hair, Frank. Did you have to get me an old man when she, <laughs> when she had that old, that older body? guard by the end but just to go by that hair by the way david do you remember they even made fun of that in that in living color bodyguard boof where they had grace jones grace in the role. jones grace jones grace jones you look terrific girl Shut up. you kiss-ass parasite <laughs> who's the guy with the bad haircut it'll grow back Okay. Besides, I believe in interracial love. I also believe in long, deep kisses that last forever. And from time to time, I believe I'm Robin Hood. I believe you're starting to bore me. They actually mentioned that haircut in that skit, so it must have been at the time shocking to people. But I mean, I don't remember it. Can I just say I loved In Living Color so much because they made fun of every single person. Like, there was no formality. There was no, and everybody, nobody was off limits. They made fun of every type of person, everything, every every single thing that they did would be they would be taken off the air in the first episode if they did try to do something like that now. Yeah. They yeah. really would. You really are a bodyguard. <laughs> I know. She's a slave to the rhythm. Or does, she, or does she say, or does she sing? Oh, maybe she says pull up to the bumper, though. Anyway, Grace, uh, this is a man that we hired to be your bodyguard. So he's going to... Hey, 
don't need a bodyguard. A great job! I tear my enemies limb from limb. David, the big finale, it is the Academy Awards. Yes, it's the Academy Awards. So he thinks that this is going to be the night that the guy is going to strike. There's a scene before he gives Rachel a crucifix. And it has like a jewel inside it, or it's like a pin, but it's like a crucifix. And, and she she's touched by the gesture. She said, it's beautiful. He goes, well, it's a transmitter. In case you feel like you're in danger and I'm not near you, press this button. And she's like, oh. Oh, it's a life alert, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I use this remote control to contact LifeCall, my 24-hour emergency medical response service. Watch. You just press this button and speak into the air and... I'm having chest pain. I'm calling paramedics and your family, Mr. Miller. I've fallen, and I can't get up. We're sending help immediately, Mrs. Fletcher. See? Protect yourself with life call, and you're never alone. But at the same time, you now we get to this. I wanted to put that in there. Because that is an important part, because it actually comes up. When she's on stage, she presses it because she's scared, and it beeps, and it's beep, 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 beep. Beep, that beeping sound just like like it's like almost like a heartbeat or something it's, it's like, like weird. A, a time bomb yeah like a yeah like it's coming this scene by the way this is the academy awards now finally i could say that one of david's famous quotes and i i'm telling you this is david's quote this he's taking it sorry whitney sorry whitney david has been saying this since 1992 and i've been loving it. rachel has to read the nominations for the academy award for best male actor and david has always done this scene just out of nowhere like when just over the years and it always cracks me up because he does it so good <laughs> he has whitney in him he's got rachel in him you even do the follow-up with he's my bodyguard oh <laughs> my that's, bodyguard. My that's my favorite too but David always is like, the nominees are, like, <laughs> Clive. And it's Clive, which I wonder if they did that because of Clive Davis and her. Mm. She's reading the top male artists. And you realize that the killer is now actually here. And Frank realizes it's him. And, she, and Rachel's freaked out. She's freaking freaked out. And you out also right realize that the killer is somebody that Frank knows that was another bodyguard. He's saying that he is protecting the Academy Award host, which is, who is that actor? Because he's a real... I know the act. Yeah, I, I know his face. He was in Oh things, my God, but... terrible. He realizes because he asked the guy that fellow bodyguard supposed to be protecting and he's like i don't know who he is portman he's like where's portman he's like portman who i don't know who portman is never heard of him so he realizes that portman is in fact the assassin so he went from protecting people to being a, a assassin for hire then for the yeah. highest price and nikki doubled it and then some and then some but we didn't even mention that during the scene in the cabin she gets shot she tries to tell the guy no no i'm the one who hired you don't don't you know you don't and he she he shoots her but only after the fact that he almost killed fletcher not because of his sister and that's sad the baby was not supposed to be the yeah but what Bert. did you think was gonna happen if he had the chance to take her out it probably would have been she was holding life. him in her arms yeah he wouldn't care i don't well she was stoned david she was stoned that was so sad do you think that frank ever told rachel no but i made the joke that she was yelling so loud and there was nothing going on in the house when they were hiding from the killer that how could she not hear her yelling those are my mine i hated her i was stoned <laughs> So anyway, we're back to the Academy Awards. He understands, he realizes that Portman is the killer. And then we get to He's the part the where, where Rachel actually wins for Best Actress now. And she runs off. He tricked you because there was a scene where she's with another presenter presenting the male award. And she freaks out and she runs off the stage once she does, you know, does her lines. And she's stumbling over the lines because she's scared and nervous. And she's pressing the crucifix and you hear the beep, 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 which is telling Frank that she's scared and she feels she's in danger. Which is so, I don't know how to describe because I really was invested in the movie, obviously, at that point. Um, it really bothered me because he... He was close, so close to her, but he couldn't just because of he couldn't just walk out on stage. So it's almost like being a parent and seeing your child's about to get hurt and you can't get to them fast enough. So that kind of bothered me. And that was meant to, I believe. So again, a really good point of the movie. So she gets off stage. She's like, I'm tired of this. You're driving me crazy. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm looking like a fool, blah, blah, blah. So then the award comes up for best actress. She wins and she goes out. And Frank is scanning the place and he sees, first of all, her other 
other bodyguard who used to be her, who is part of her bodyguard team. Who loves her, but he's not really a good bodyguard. Good time guy, does whatever she wants. He got stabbed in the eye trying to stop Portman. And you see the scene, he's got a camera, and it's it's actually a gun inside a camera with a laser, you know, and he's about to shoot her, and then you see... the Is it the envelope? He She pulls out and it says something like, I will kill you. Yeah, she sees in her mind Rachel bitch, Marin bitch, or whatever... Little did she know what those real letters said. Oh, my God. And then you see Frank running, running the stage to to protect her. Slow motion. Very dramatic. He jumps in front of her. You hear the shot go off. You also hear the other bodyguard yelling, Portman! Portman! Screaming, like... Not to be confused with Rhodes from Day of the Dead. Joke on him! And then you see that uh, people yelling and screaming and running. And you also see that Frank gets up, even though he's shot, and he ends up shooting Portman, which explodes a camera and this blood splatters everywhere on top of David Foster's wife, right? That- Is it David Foster's <laughs> wife at the time? Because she's uh, an actor. He's like, do it. I'm going to get divorced from her soon anyway. Shoot her. We're watching the stage thinking he's the one trying to kill Rachel. And she's like, he's my bodyguard! <laughs> And then she says, no, no, stay with me, no. Powerful, powerful. That's what I'm saying. I felt her in that moment really worried that he was going to die. Do you think that Chris Rock needed a Frank Farmer at the Academy Awards? (laughs) (laughs) Keep my wife's name. (laughs) He would have stopped Will Smith. This is when we see that Rachel's on a plane. She's leaving, you know, he's recovered, Frank. He's in a he's in a, a cast, his arm and everything. And he decided that they have to part ways. And it's a very Casablanca kind of ending, I would say, right? On an airstrip, airplane. They're saying goodbye by the airplane. She gets on, but then it oh, and it's a beautiful moment. Like you hear the music swell. She there's this little banter. She cause he gets her new bodyguard and he's an older man with white hair. She goes, Really? White hair, Frank? He's like I don't trust you. So how's the new guy? He's got white hair, Frank. He's very good. Yeah, but did you have to get me an old man? I don't trust you. It leaves it open to inter- interpretation that she may be with him again or he doesn't want her to ever be with somebody else. She says, all right, give me a kiss. So she hu- he kisses her, but not like in a romantic way, like a hug kiss, like a side hug or some kind of a thing feeling. And then she goes to the plane and you see Fletcher saying goodbye, Frank. I think he gives him a hug, I think, which Fletcher does. And then they go on the plane and then she- the plane is starting and she's like, stop the plane, stop. runs to him and they embrace and they kiss and there's a scene where they're circling the cameras are circling around them around them i love it and i actually saw that in some kind of a documentary thing that the cameraman this was like built it was on tracks which is often what they they have to do that to roll the camera on the track and the cameraman fell off 
and the and the camera just kept rolling and going around and around, and he finally got back on, and they kept, that was the scene that the one that they kept. Great, you would never know. Again, it's a great ending. And at the very very end, you see her singing on stage, "I Will Always Love You," the song, which I told you, which my thought was she redid that song in 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 as a as a tribute to the the romance, the love they had, because she was in that bar with him that night you also see that he's protecting another person and you see a, a political person right like a uh, politics again it's a sad ending in the sense that it ends with on him showing him in you know in the distance with this like cast still being a bodyguard but it's really sad that they didn't i guess get together but i'm going with david said i'm hoping that there's a chance well the other thing is that you show that because of what they've been through she's a better person she knows what real love felt like she's a she's a better person and you find out that he is now back to protecting someone political that that fear burden whatever guilt that he had was lifted was lifted because of the love that they had and what they went through together so beautifully said beautiful ending so david there was a potential sequel Due to the success of the film, Kevin Costner contacted his longtime friend, Princess Diana, to star in the sequel. The first draft arrived the day before her death. Can you believe this? Following her passing, the film was scrapped. The day before her death, the draft arrived. I guess I guess Kensington Palace knew that they had to off her before, yeah, before yeah. she became even more famous. What do you think about that, though, David? I don't know if I would have wanted a sequel without Whitney. Are you fall know, in love with her, too? That doesn't make any sense. No. And I don't know if Princess Diana would have... I don't know if Kevin Costner's like, oh, let me see if I could take these people that aren't known for acting and make them stars. I, okay, so this is almost like taking this Frank Farmer character and making it almost like a take-in, like a series. I think the magic is Whitney and Kevin. Didn't I hear that they also were thinking about redoing the movie? September 2021, Matthew Lopez is writing a remake of the film. But years ago, David, it was Miley Cyrus and Hugh Jackman, they said, was was gonna well, I, think I, heard, I thought it was gonna be rihanna rihanna was at one point too they were saying that makes more sense i could see her being the queen of the night you know like that sequence but i don't think they're gonna i think that's gonna have to be in the back burner for quite a long time i know it's been 30 years but in our minds whitney's still here with us because of the profound effect she had on people so they better not do that until well after because i i don't see it being who who's gonna do the part but who's gonna live up to that no one no one they would have to change the soundtrack. It wouldn't. It probably would be a different. Well, it would be really different. But who is going to be able to touch? There's no way. With our retro news, they're re-releasing this. It doesn't make any sense because then it puts it puts it back into people's minds. Like this is this. This is the bodyguard, not whatever you're coming up with. So, yeah. listen, Kelly can't do it. We saw Justin to Kelly. God. <laughs> and well, that's the question. And does it have to be that formula of? Ballot power singers, yeah. Yeah, who is Dell? I mean, I wouldn't want to see this. I don't want to, I really don't want a Bodyguard remake. I think the Bodyguard was Whitney Houston, and that's that. But like you're saying, David, Whitney Houston is on my rotation weekly. Like, mm-hmm. she is still always playing with me. So you're right, she is still alive in that way. Don't do it. I, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I should give somebody a chance, but I just can't see it. Maybe they could make an adaptation in the sense of, a bodyguard falling in love with his client but it wouldn't it's not gonna have the same magic it's just not going to it just to me it won't they did do that english uk production of the bodyguard musical on stage that i wish we would have gotten here i would have seen that i mean britney fell in love with not one but two dancers yeah yeah she did he's my choreographer <laughs> y'all no <laughs> Oh my god, the 30th anniversary, we are celebrating you, Whitney, we're celebrating you, Kevin Costner, and this classic movie, 30 years later. The music is timeless to me, Whitney's voice is timeless to me, even after we're gone, I still think Whitney will be being played, but... That hologram is performing somewhere right now in Vegas. (laughs) If somebody finds this, they're gonna be amazed. So that was another episode of the Radical Retro Rewind podcast. David, we are giving thanks this month because it is November. 
Thanksgiving, mm. and I'm turning something this year. I don't know what. He doesn't remember what his birthday is, and even if he did, he wouldn't tell you. And then, I am happy it's November, because I'm trying to get rid of all this damn candy that you people gave my children trick-or-treating. <laughs> You still? Oh, it's still not gone. I can't let them eat all that. They would be. They'd have no teeth, and they'd be throwing up and sick. I have to like, and then I have to Hide keep it. the temptation of wanting it myself. This is a. This is a double. Double jeopardy. Double yeah. Jeopardy. <laughs> the remake. This is a physical challenge. <laughs> so we'll see if the candy disappears by the end of the month. Say candy man three times, your candy will disappear. If only it was that easy. <laughs> you can always reach David if you want to say his name three times at Universal Appeal 2020 one word, as well as the Radical Retro Rewind Podcast one word on Instagram. We're also on YouTube, Radical Ones. This is the perfect month. We would love to hear a review from you this month are you giving us a review get it thankful for giving thanksgiving i actually looked david our last review was done over a year ago so <laughs> if anyone is willing to leave a review on apple let us know i will not only share your review on the instagram we will read it on this show and i will i will perform a routine to it if we get a review slash voicemail from anybody. Thank you again, Radical Ones. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad that David and I got to talk this movie. It's a favorite and it is living on. So thank you, Nippy. Nippy? Yeah, that's um Whitney's famous nickname. It was called her Nippy. Oh, I didn't know that. Rest in peace, Whitney. You gave us a, a, it was amazing. Amazing. Never, never, we'll never forget you. Until next time, Radical Ones. Goodbye. We will always love you. (laughs) So love us back by leaving a comment and liking everything we do and suggesting it to your friends and family. Bye. I was very stoned. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.